0: Aloha, you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm with Rafael Barlow of NBA Draft Junkies. Let's roll. Aloha, my name's Chad Ford. I'm your host of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. My guest today... Rafael Barlow, draft junkies, NBA draft junkies, and uh, my co-host. When we were covering the live NBA draft, uh, we did some draft grades, Rafael, right after the draft, but now that we've gotten to see the rookies in Summer League, as well as the class of 2020 and a lot of others, felt like it'd be good to go back and start to look at some of the winners and losers, the best and worst. Uh, We'll start with the Eastern Conference in this podcast, Rafael, and want to sort of think about let's start with our rookies and let's start with some of the guys at the top of the draft, the, the ones that were the most hyped coming out. And I want to start with Cade Cunningham uh, for you out of Detroit. It's really interesting to me because most people loved Cade Cunningham. They, they saw him as a guy who they felt was going to be an absolute superstar in the NBA. And for those guys that felt that way, they loved the Summer League performance. For people that were more skeptical, skeptical about Cade, they kind of picked his performance apart. So I'm really curious where you came down on uh, how Cade Cunningham performed and really, you know, frankly, just three games uh, in the Summer League for the Detroit Pistons.
1: So I was actually in Vegas, and I, I saw a couple of the games live, and I thought that he performed as I expected. Um, like you said, I mean, you, you've been saying it the last few days, about how if you liked him coming in, you were going to, you know, talk about what you saw. If you had doubts about him or you had questions or concerns, there were definitely those areas. And one of the things you you mentioned and which was a little bit obvious there was he just doesn't have that elite blow-by speed. Like, we saw Jalen Green was able to get to his spots because his first step is, is Lightning. Cade doesn't have that. I thought Cade was a a much better shooter than I expected. And I I know it was only three games, but he shot, I think, 50% from three, shot the ball well. And a lot of those were off the dribble, uh, pull-up three-pointers. So the shot looks consistent with what he showed. But, you know, the negative assist-to-turnover ratio is a little bit concerning. And for me, it's concerning because Killian didn't play very well. And I thought the offense looked a lot better with Cade as the primary ball handler but can you, you know, be good if your primary ball handler is a negative assist turnover guy? And so I think they're going to start Killian and Kay together. To me, it's going to be like Luca and Dennis Smith their first year where they started them together, then they realized early on it's not going to work. And I'm just curious to see what happens with Killian. But other than that, I thought Kay played well, a bit the negative assist turnovers.
0: Yeah, look, I thought he played well as well, and – and again, and I've harped on this a lot uh, over on, on my website, NBABigBoard.com, where I've been writing a lot about the summer league, we can't overreact uh, to what is an incredibly small sample size in Kate Cunningham's case, three games, and, and probably hadn't played five on five because he was the number one pick in the draft for months. Yeah. And then you kind of roll into the summer league and you're just expected for it all to sort of come back Uh, automatically now some of the lower ranked prospects do end up playing five on five or playing more competitive settings prepping for the draft but that's very unlikely for a top pick like kate cunningham mostly because his agent wants to make sure that he doesn't get injured right um, right before the draft and it tanks his stock and so i think we got to take everything with a grain of salt i do i was impressed by the shooting and if he's going to shoot anything like that he's not going to shoot 50 percent from three but if he's going to shoot anything like that there's already one thing he can really hang his hat on that he's going to do at an elite level, and and that's that's exciting. I am a little bit concerned about the two things that you mentioned. One, his blow by people ability seems like that's not there. I mean, that doesn't surprise you if you watched Oklahoma State uh, play this year, but you know now seeing it against NBA type. Prospects, uh, it, it definitely looked like that could be a potential issue for him. And I want to talk about this because, you know, you watch the games. I watch the games. And Pistons fans, when I brought up the negative assist to turnover ratio, said not Cade's fault, his teammates' fault. Cade had tons of great passes. His teammates didn't convert. We heard this exact same argument uh, yeah, at was- Oklahoma State. It's his yeah. teammates. Now, his teammates are an upgrade over the players he was playing against at Oklahoma State. Um, you know, first of all, let's let's just say that Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bey, they are better uh, than the prospects that he was playing with at Oklahoma State. But if that's the case, and it's just his teammates, then why didn't Killian Hayes have a negative assist-to-turnover ratio, um, you know, as well? As much and as poorly as Killian Hayes played... He did not have a negative assist to turnover ratio playing essentially with the same prospects on the floor. Is this is this Cade's teammates fault? I mean, you watch the games uh, and, and I know Piston fans watch it probably even closer than you and I do uh, because they're breaking down everything. Is this just the case that Cade was making incredible passes all over the place and his teammates just couldn't convert? I do think
1: in their first game for sure that there were a lot of assists that were left on the table, but I mean, the point you made was Killian played pretty much the same position and I mean, I know they split ball handling duties and with the same guys on the floor and his weren't negative. I, I think that sometimes Cade's turnovers aren't necessarily like live ball turnovers as far as like throwing bad passes. It's just, Dribbling in the tight spaces, or some of them was just like really careless. But I mean, it's just nitpicking at this point, because I again I thought he played well, but it can be a little bit of a concern because I guess you can say if you average out his summer league and they his freshman year, so that's roughly what maybe 40, 45 games. That's a pretty extensive uh, sample size for a negative assist to turnover ratio. But Kate is a guy that you can't have if you can't say i mean you know better than anybody you can't say anything negative about him because the people are going to pick you apart and label you a hater and and, and yeah. so
0: on well look i i i thought he played well i gave him a b plus which maybe you know for giving great inflation anymore maybe you know that's this the equivalent of an f anywhere else but i thought he it was a b plus like I, I didn't think he was yeah. the best prospect i saw but i thought mm-hmm. he was good uh i'm not ready to read anything into what he did or didn't do uh, in the summer league, I want to see him with a whole now summer to train and, and you know, with the piston staff and to get more comfortable. Uh, I agree with you that I wonder about the Killian Hayes, Cade Cunningham combination sharing ball handling. I'm with you that my guess is that Cade Cunningham wins that out if if he really is a primary ball handler. And I think that if you want to have a question mark about Cade right now, that I think it's a legitimate argument on both sides of the fence is is he more of a primary ball handler like we projected him out of high school or is he more the secondary ball handler guy and that's just you know not not his bag and I don't think we have enough evidence yet either at Oklahoma State or in three summer league games to know that I'm sure the Pistons are going to experiment with that and try to figure that out uh, his rookie year and because that makes a big difference I think in ultimately what happens um, with them with Killian Hayes yeah I agree all right Go ahead. And yeah.
1: if he is a secondary, then you have to pair him with a point guard that is a lights out shooter, a guy that can mm. spot up and catch and shoot. And that's not Chilean strength either. Right. So it's uh, definitely going to be interesting. Like I said, I think they're going to start them together, and then maybe at the 20 game mark, they'll probably decide which direction they want to go. But then again, if they're losing, playing them together, and they do it for a whole season, then it probably puts them in a position for. Chet Holmgren or, or whoever else is yep. is going to be a, a, a top five pick in next year's draft.
0: Okay, let's let's talk about the guy that I had number two on my board. I, I can't remember whether he was two or three on your board, Evan Mobley out of Cleveland. I didn't expect sexy stats from Evan Mobley because I, I just kind of think that that's not his game. And I think he was another guy that if you liked Mobley, there was plenty of stuff that you saw him do. Uh, that made you really encouraged. And if you had questions about Mobley, there was a few things that he struggled with in the summer league that could also sort of raise those questions. What did you think about Evan uh, and his performance in the summer league? I thought it was okay. Um, I did a podcast
1: with someone yesterday, and they made a comment that really stood out to me. and said Mobley was probably the least criticized player in this draft class. Like you rarely saw anyone critical about Evan Mobley as a person or his gang, which is totally different than in high school. You know, in high school, he started off as like this can miss prospect. And then as Cade and Jalen Green started to create a buzz, he started saying, oh, his, his motor doesn't run. He's this, he's that. And then it's like, he went to USC and then everybody just loved Devin Mowgli. Like everybody loved Mowgli. And I think that some of the concerns stood out, like he's not a great rebounder. He definitely needs to get stronger which you know we, we all know that um what position is he gonna play and you know you he projects to be a modern day five but i mean i think everyone knows that he's probably gonna start the season out as the four but if he is your four man if he's your starting four and jared allen is the five then he has to at least space the floor and he didn't shoot the ball well at all so I, mean, I think it's like 12 percent from three um yeah. Yeah, I mean, but he he did show like the fluidity and just this amazing fluid athlete for his size and and just his defensive upside. But like you said, the numbers weren't you didn't if you didn't expect the numbers to be sexy and they definitely weren't sexy. So he didn't come out to me as a top five player in summer league.
0: I agree. I, you know, I gave him a B, and and maybe that was generous because of the things that I really liked. And again, my own cognitive biases that I really liked Evan Mobley, and I'm not ready to write him off. But you know, we have been referring to him as a guy who can ultimately stretch the floor. Twelve point five percent shooting didn't look so great, though. His form looks okay. I think I think he'll be fine. Um, who knows? If there was one thing that surprised me on the positive side. Uh, it was when they put the ball in his hands and had him playing uh, point forward, which I think is maybe the most underrated part of his game, which is he's a really excellent passer for a guy his size.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. And I think that's going to be much needed in Cleveland. I mean, they're a team that needs another playmaker or a guy that can make plays for others. I mean, if Kevin Love was playing, he would be that, but we don't know what's going on there. But I think that uh, Mowgli has the passing ability to where you can run maybe some four or five pick and rolls but you can hit Jared Allen on the lobs or maybe find different cutters. So I thought that part was promising, but I was more so concerned about his defense as like a one-on-one defender, like a guy that's going to be really, really physical. And and me personally, and people may think I'm biased, but I thought Shingun outplayed him in that first Mm -hmm. game. I think he had like 15 and 15. I mean, Mobley had a, a nice dunk over him, but I just thought as far as like, Physicality, rebounding, toughness. I thought Shingoon just seemed a little bit ahead of Mobley, but again, it's just one game. It was the first first day of PC, uh, some of the.
0: Let's talk about one of the big draft night surprises, which was the Toronto Raptors selected Scotty Barnes ahead of Jalen Suggs. Raptors fans freaked out about this. I'd been writing about it for for really since the draft lottery that that yeah. that Scotty Barnes was seriously. In the mix there. I just think nobody really wanted to believe it. Then you go into Summer League. Jalen Suggs is amazing uh, in in his three games for Orlando. Scotty Barnes up and down. Uh, First game was probably his best game uh, for the Raptors. And then, you know, it was sort of a mixed bag after that. You know this debate. Uh, is going to rage for years, probably. This is going to be like the Darren Williams, Chris Paul, uh, you know, debate that went on for years and years. You know, which of these guys was the better guy? Uh, I I know you were team Jalen Suggs uh, ahead of Scotty Barnes. I leaned Barnes over Suggs. uh, And I I think I like the Raptors draft more than most people did. What do you take away from this now, seeing both of them in summer league play, Knowing what we knew about them, it seems to me they actually both performed about how I would have expected them to to perform uh in this. Did the Raptors make a mistake here? Should they have taken Jalen Suggs?
1: Uh I don't want to say they made a mistake after just a few games because I've I've learned as far as overreacting, I thought Summer League Trey Young. I was like, see, I, I knew it. I, I knew at Oklahoma he was in this system to where he has so much freedom. The NBA is not going to give him freedom. His shot is too low. He can't get a shot off. And I fell into that trap of overreacting for some weeks. So I won't go too far say they made a mistake. Uh, but I thought Jalen Suggs was very, very good. I thought he just has this combination of skills, but winning intangibles and, and toughness. I mean, I thought like he made great plays on the defensive end. I thought he solidified himself as the best guard on the magic's roster and i I can't see a situation where he's not starting on opening night i think barnes was the first game had me really thinking like whoa there was some stuff that he didn't really show at at florida state and then i want to say i forgot which game it was i attended maybe the warriors game he just kind of just floated didn't really do anything for the majority of that game then he had another good game but i thought Suggs was more consistent in in some of But I thought Barnes showed, you know, I I thought he just showed why he was so high. And then Masai is a guy that you you can't really question what the decisions that he's made. And then I love Toronto's developmental staff and programming. They've done an excellent job developing guys. So they're going to get the most out of Scottie Barnes.
0: Yeah, look, at the way I look at this is uh, you you can't deny that Jalen Suggs was was awesome uh, and yeah. in, 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 he was everywhere on both ends of the floor. This shouldn't surprise you if you watched him at Gonzaga and and, and certainly he looked exactly like what we'd hope he would look um, for them. But I don't think it takes away that with Scotty, we knew he was a little bit more of a work in progress, that mm-hmm. you have to sort of think about the future and upside. And if you're watching closely, there was a lot of things that Scotty Barnes did that you can say, wow. I mean, absolutely wow, both defensively and what he could ultimately be offensively as well. And you can watch Scotty Barnes and say, here are the clear things that he needs to improve on. His jump shot, we worried about it. He shot 27.5% from three there. That's definitely a major improvement. Again, sort of always being aggressive, uh, especially on the offensive end. We saw times where he was and times where he, he wasn't. And where we consistently saw Jalen Suggs um, attack, attack, attack whenever he had the basketball. So, look, there's plenty of things that I think that when we're talking about him as a prospect, you can be concerned on in Raptors fans. But if you're watching closely, you also see an upside, a ceiling to me in Scotty Barnes that probably isn't there with Jalen Suggs just because of the size, length, and athleticism that Scotty Barnes brings to the table if he hits his ceiling and I and I think that's why the Raptors made the decision that they did. So look, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about other rookies that impressed us in the Eastern Conference, but before we do so, want to talk to you about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while well, the person behind the county orders the parts on the computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry, you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto, whether you choose to spend th- 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts at a chain store or a car dealership when you can get them cheaper at Rock Auto. They have everything you need brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on. And there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com And I'm back with Raphael Barlow, NBA Draft Junkies. We were just talking about some of the top guys in the Eastern Conference, some of the top rookies. We talked about Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, uh, Scotty Barnes. Let's just talk about the rest of the Eastern Conference rookie draft class for a minute. Mm -hmm. Who really stood out to you, Raphael? Who was was a guy that you would sort of label a winner out of that class outside those top five guys? (laughs) That might sound funny. Luca Garza was impressive to me. All right. (laughs) Luca Garza, who was like pick 52 52, 52. Also for the Detroit Pistons. I also gave him an A in my draft grades. Thought Mm. he was incredible. We questioned whether he was going to have the NBA athleticism to stay on the floor defensively. We knew offensively uh, he was a really talented basketball player. But was he going to be able to do that? He got in. He's got in great shape. He looks so much better uh athletically than he looked at Iowa he's still not a great athlete by any stretch of the imagination but has gotten better my question is we saw the toughness we saw the motor we saw how hard he played certainly the skill offensively I still question can he guard anybody in the NBA
1: yeah definitely what do you mean think? It's, it's a definite concern and the reason why he fell so low but I mean if you just look at the numbers and let's say he was a top five pick and you see the numbers of like 15 points nine nearly 10 rebounds almost two assists a game a block 40 percent from three you'd be raving if you got those numbers from a top five right. pick but he's Luka garza so there's always going to be questions and he doesn't have the sexiest game and i was talking to a prospect in the draft and he was just like oh i worked out with him multiple times he wasn't good he was the worst athlete in every workout we did. And I kept saying, man, you know what? I, I, I believe that if you put him in a workout setting, he's not going to look good, maybe in spot shooting, but you put some butts in the seats, some lights on some referees. He's going to show you why he was so dominant in college. So I'm not really too surprised by his performance in summer league, but this is a summer league podcasts. So we're not really talking about the the regular season. So I'm curious to see how it does translate, but the the Pistons have taken like, this is back to back years. They've taken like some traditional throwback, high motor energy guys. So, um, but yeah, I mean, just based off the of summer league, I, I thought he was like one of the best rookies and one of the biggest surprises.
0: One of mine, Though this again, my cognitive bias is going to kick in here because I really liked him pre-draft was Miles McBride uh, for mm-hmm. the Knicks. Uh, I I didn't understand why he slid into the second round and the early returns for the Knicks was he ex- was exactly what I thought he would be. He's absolutely a engaged, uh, almost vicious defender. Uh, shot the ball well um, from three. I actually thought showed some ability to you know play on the ball as a as a as a point guard as well. If you're a Knicks fan, you have to be pretty excited that this is a guy that we got um, in the second round. I was very skeptical, if you remember on draft night about the Knicks draft. I didn't like that they kind of moved out in 19 and 21. Though I did want them to draft McBride there. Uh, you know, if you look at this, Quentin Grimes also uh, played uh, well. Uh, Joe Bitus, uh, oh,
1: yeah, I, I yeah. thought
0: played well. Jericho Sims. Uh, shot 81% from the field, dunking everything. It was a pretty good, you know, the Knicks draft looked fairly validated in the summer league. Uh, what did you think about McBride? I thought it was great. I went to the game against the Lakers,
1: and he just showed the toughness, the, the shot-making ability. And one of the things I, I was curious to see coming into summer league is we know Yoko Vaitis was likely going to be at, go back to Barcelona. Or go to Barcelona, not back to Barcelona. So I, And even though he was drafted higher than McBride, I wanted to see how they played those two. And McBride got the majority of the minutes. And Yoko played well when he was given an opportunity, but it would have been tough to, like, not play McBride major, major minutes. And I, you're right. The Knicks draft was not the sexiest on draft night. You had to question, like, why would they move down? I mean, I, I thought there were players that they could have got at, at – nineteen and twenty-one, I believe. But based off of Summer League, you can make a case and say their draft class was stronger than the ones that we liked on draft night.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean if Quentin Grimes is gonna shoot like that and 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 play the way he played, which is exactly why they drafted him and McBride looks like a legitimate NBA player at point guard and and then we saw improvement from Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin. Uh, you know, as sophomores, you know this I think things just turned out well for the Knicks and let's see again, how it relates to regular season and not, and, and Tom Thibodeau coaching them as opposed to, uh, you know, the coaching that they got in the summer, summer league, there's going to be some differences there. Who struggled for you out of the rookies? Was there somebody that like really stood out to you and like, wow, I'm a little bit disappointed in, in what I saw from the summer league from this guy, uh, in the East.
1: Um, as far as just really really struggled I thought everybody it's there were more guys that stood out to me that played well that struggled um I I mean honestly if I had to say if the player that I was probably the most disappointed in was Evan Mobley but hmm. he didn't struggle um I thought the guys for the Hawks played well I thought I mean, I just thought everybody lived up to it. But I think if there's one guy that I was a little bit disappointed with, it was, it was Mobley. Like I said, if Mobley had Luca Garza's stats, we'd be raving about how great he was at <laughs> summer league.
0: I'm gonna give two Corey Kispert out oh, yeah. of Washington, I, 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 totally um, <laughs> who was drafted because he's ready to play right now and shoots the lights out. Shot under 30 percent from three. Yeah. Uh, now look. I don't expect in any scenario that Corey Kispert is a sub 30% three point shooter in the NBA. I, I, I think that that is a fluke based off of a very small sample size, but you can't be excited by what you saw um, in the summer league there. And then Franz Wagner, I, I didn't really think popped for me uh, in the way that I would like for a number eight pick in the draft. Uh, I, I, I don't think he was terrible and uh, and mm-hmm. I think he had his moments um, as well. But he didn't pop defensively the way that that I thought maybe he could at Michigan. And certainly some of those shooting struggles and some of that inconsistency we saw there uh, with Wagner um, you know, is a major question mark.
1: Yeah. yeah as Let's, far as Kispert, um, yeah, go ahead. I, I thought that he was one of the guys that we probably would have expected to do really well since he was older than a lot of the prospects. And he had probably one of the most defined roles now, as far as Wagner, you yeah, know, you don't want to necessarily always blame the, the the cast around him, but I just thought if you weren't one of those guards for Orlando, you weren't you weren't gonna be t- in the best position to succeed. You weren't at, yeah. <laughs> they weren't
0: they weren't feeding anybody else, yeah. Yeah,
1: except Tima. Uh he he was able to get some shots early, but even then he's like a twenty nine year old. Yeah, you know, rookie and summer league, he's a veteran i seen him play for years. But no, I I think that I, I think that like outside of Suggs, the ball just didn't really move too much in Orlando. I thought they played some really, really ugly basketball. And the sad part is a lot of those guys are going to be in their rotation.
0: Yeah.
1: And that that makes it kind of scary if you're if you're a Magic fan. But yeah, I think Wagner just wasn't in the best position to really show what he could do he's more so of uh you know there's like been this big debate all, all over twitter i don't know if you've seen it about guys that are basketball players and guys that can hoop yeah <laughs> and so uh wagner's a basketball player and if not a hooper a, yeah you put him in a summer league setting with a bunch of guards that are looking to hoop he's not going to look good at all yeah. so I, I thought that was the case there
0: whereas whereas cam thomas is a Hooper is a, is a Hooper and a guy that I was pretty skeptical about, just to be honest about what his role is going to be in the NBA. I just didn't know that he could play that way now, summer league, he can play that way. And he did play that way and led, led everybody in the summer league in, in scoring. And so, you know, I got to give him props there. Uh, And he, he did it with more efficiency than we saw him at LSU, which is also sort of nice. And I want to take a victory lap around Sharif Cooper, who I was going crazy all draft night that he uh, slid to 48. Uh, He's a Hooper. Uh, And it's hard not to to to. watch Sharif Cooper and wonder, how's this guy slide like this? I understand his jump shot was erratic. Uh, You know, ended up, I think, shooting 33%. He turns the ball over. He's little. But man, I loved watching Sharif Cooper play in the summer league. I don't know how he gets any minutes. Uh, Same with Jalen Johnson of Atlanta, who also had a really, really uh, strong summer league. I'm not sure in this very stacked Atlanta team where they see uh, any minutes on this team. But as far as summer leagues go, I, I also thought those guys were really great.
1: Yeah, I had a chance to watch Cooper live for the first time. And what stood out to me was I did not realize how strong he was. Yeah. I think that he has a strong core. There were plays where, you know, he can get by guys just off his foot speed alone. But there were plays where he just kind of put his shoulder into the defender and just drove him, drove the defender into his spots where he was able to get them under the basket and get to the rim. I've seen him finish through contact and I was just amazed at like how physical he was. Um, The turnovers were, you know, a a little bit concerning. Even the shooting numbers weren't great, but he hit a big clutch shot. I love the fact that he you know, had the confidence, which is something that we maybe didn't lack coming into Summer League, but he had the confidence to knock down a game-winning shot. And after seeing Atlanta's Summer League between Johnson and, and uh, Cooper, I'm like, they got, like, two of the best players in Summer League without a lottery pick. Both guys were higher on most boards, and for whatever reasons, they fell in the draft. But now it started to make me wonder, like, okay, if you're the Wizards, and you're concerned about Bradley Bill, Atlanta has a very enticing trade mm-hmm. package to where they should be in the running to get any unhappy superstar because you can offer this Reddish, Hunter, Cooper, Johnson. I, I think that Atlanta's put themselves in a really good position now to uh, to add another, another big-time player.
0: So funny that you say that because I was just – before this podcast, talking to an Eastern Conference general manager, who literally said, "This is going to be the underrated spot for Bradley Beal um, to to land right now." That Hawks have so many assets, as you pointed out, so many young assets that they could throw uh, back to the Wizards. That if if Beal is going to move, or or frankly, you know, though this would be a little bit of a stranger backcourt, Damian Lillard uh, out of Portland. Atlanta may have the most intriguing package, where they can send away three, four young guys, and it's not going to affect their core yeah. really, really at all. And so, and, and they could add, a, add an all-star, you know, to this team. And so, it'll be really interesting to see whether Atlanta is want, wants to and is willing to do that, because if I'm if I'm Tommy Shepard in Washington, or if I'm Neil O'Shea in Portland right now, some of those guys would really, really intrigue me. Um, to be thinking about building building a team around. Oh yeah!
1: Definitely. Look, when,
0: look. When we get back, we'll talk about some non rookies that played in the summer league in the Eastern Conference. Uh, but before we do so, let's talk about Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor? When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the biltboard flavors, well, you're missing out. Coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. I know Rafael Barlow was loading up on Bilt bars at the uh, at our at our live draft coverage. What ended up being your favorite flavor? I know you said birthday cake before, but pick a pick a flavor that guy that people can have.
1: Yeah, I've been uh, killing the salted caramel. I still have a box from from the draft day show that. Yeah, whenever I'm hungry
0: and need a snack, I just go in there, and it was mostly salted caramel. So that's been my new favorite flavor, salted caramel. I'm a coconut guy as well, and it's been really cool to get feedback from some of our listeners who now say they're addicted uh, to built bars. That one of the one of the benefits of this podcast is that they've been able to to. Find out about Built Bar and, and eat them. And here's the great thing about it. You don't need to feel guilty eating a Bilt Bar because they have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. So order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie, whatever you like. Go to BiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off BiltBar.com. All right, let's talk about the non-rookies for a minute in the Eastern Conference, guys that played well or disappointed that were either from the draft class of 2020, or there was a few guys that, that were coming back from draft class of 2019. There was a few old timers uh, that showed up at, at the Summer League <laughs> as well. Who stood out to you uh, among the Eastern Conference 2020 guys or, or earlier that you really liked uh, in the Summer League?
1: I mean, I guess the most obvious one to me was Obi Toppin. I thought Obi Toppin played well. Whether or not it, it translates to minutes, I think it's still going to be tough because he plays the same position as Randall, and I don't know if you can really play them together. But I thought Toppin looked good in his in his role with the Knicks. Um, and, and he's the one who last year at this time I just knew, okay, Obi Toppin is going to be rookie of the year just because, you know, he was a little bit more experienced. Even when the Knicks drafted him, I know everybody was down on Julius at the time, but I just thought, oh, that's a perfect fit for him to be this poor man's Amari Stoudemire. And I think things have definitely changed because Julius has been so good. But I, I thought he was one of the guys that you could tell that a year of experience under his belt made him stand out a little bit more.
0: Look, I thought he was good. I thought Emmanuel Quickly was good. I thought Peyton Pritchard was really good. Yeah. But you're going to hear me harp again and again, you know, Pritchard 23, Quickly 22, and 23 years old. They're so much older than some of these other prospects, and they have a year underneath their belt that you got to take really dominant performances from those older prospects with a bit of a grain of salt. I, I will say the one thing that actually really stood out to me is that the Summer League knew how to use The Summer League squad knew how to use Obi Toppin in a way that I think is much better for his skill set than the way that he was used in New York, and so it'll be really interesting now coming back to New York whether Tom Thibodeau makes adjustments to how he uses him or kind of forces Toppin back into sort of that stretch four role that I I don't, I just don't think he's as well suited for, or whether this was a showcase for Obi Toppin uh, to, to to make a trade is is you know another way to sort of think about this. The guy that, that stood out for me among the younger players, I mean, Patrick Williams, first of all, is the same age as many of the rookies yeah. uh, that that we saw play. And, it, you know, he was up and down, uh, which is to be expected, but he shot the ball better. I, I just see it. I, I think down the road, the Bulls really have a great prospect on their hands here, and you can see him continue to improve and grow. And if you think about his age, and he's uh, he's still 19, uh, 19 years old. And you you look at his numbers, uh, he would have, you know, we would have walked away saying, okay, this guy was one of the best rookies um, out there. I also really like Tyrese Maxey. If Tyrese Maxey can really start knocking down shots, uh, you know, he's got potential to be, you know, 20 point a night scorer in the NBA someday. I mean, he's so good. Uh, at being able to get his own shot and being able to get to the basket. He's gonna have to be a threat um, from three and he's not quite there yet. But I really like Tyrese Maxey as well and could see him ending up being one of the top 10 prospects out of the 2020 draft.
1: Yeah, I think what Maxey fit is going to be the the biggest thing. Like, is he a point? You know, um, the outside shooting, I just love his change of pace. Like when I watched him, and I, I, I live in Dallas, so I've had a chance to watch him in high school and his first step is not like super impressive, but it's just how he just changes the speeds and a change of pace. And he just has this craftiness to his game. I thought I mean I thought he played really, really well. Um, but Patrick Williams, it just seemed like the Bulls offense was all right, hey, you're our guy.
0: Go out and, and do stuff.
1: Go out and just play a role that you're probably never played in your whole life. You're gonna we're gonna <laughs> run everything through you just we're trying to build your confidence up and and try just try different things and so the thing about Patrick Williams is funny to me is uh was it last summer maybe two summers ago he he came to Dallas and he spent the week down here and I had some friends who are like this kid is going to be a top 10 pick and I was just like I don't necessarily what what does he do great and at the time you couldn't say he was a knockdown shooter you couldn't say he was mm-hmm. like this great creator but they just kept saying, look at the body, look at the, the potential. And at the time he was only 17 Yeah. and I, they kept saying, watch, he's going to be a top 10 pick. And then even like coming into the draft, I was, I thought he was a lottery pick. I did not think he was going to go as high as he did. And I thought he had a, a pretty strong rookie year, but now I'm interested to see that how he plays with this new bulls lineup, because I mean, he's projected to be there starting four, and he's gonna to have to play a. I mean, he's gonna be a complimentary guy, but I just wonder how he gets his his shot, especially if he's on the floor with the uh, DeRozan, Levine, and
0: White. He will play the opposite role of what he did for this Bulls team yeah. <laughs> next year, and he almost wonder if this is like a little bone to Patrick Williams. Like we know, you know, having Demar and Vucevic and Zach Levine uh, and, Le- and and uh, and and uh, Le- um, Lonzo Ball on the floor. You're not gonna, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna be featured in this offense. So here's a little bone for you for a few games uh, yep. as, as we continue to develop you. Kobe White too.
1: <laughs> yeah, so you get Kobe and Zach on the floor together. It's not gonna be a lot of a lot of shots for him.
0: Let's talk about disappointments. And again, Detroit Pistons fans very sensitive right now. But Killian Hayes. What did you think about Killian Hayes' performance? Because I I think he was probably the guy that I was most interested in seeing how he was progressing over the summer. I thought he started actually playing better when he got back from injury. He got off to, obviously, a very, very tough start his rookie year uh, for Detroit. And I think expectations were high, that maybe we were going to see the guy that uh, you know I was high on and many other people were high on coming in. What did you think about his summer league performance? Well, there were some
1: signs that were encouraging. I saw him go right a lot more than I've ever seen. Um, but the, the biggest concerns are there, the lack of elite athleticism, the lack of blow by speed. He's not there yet as a shooter. I think that he made some really good passes. I think he showed what people liked in him as a, as a passer. But he's gonna be a guy that, I think in order for him to live up to the hype that he had, he's going to need to play for like a Mike Dantoni, where he has the ball in his hands every play mm. and it's screen and roll every single play. Kind of like how Kendall Marshall had that run where he looked like mm. he lived up Mike to Mike Dantoni can do at. that to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeremy so, Lynn. Uh, yep. That's, that's, Based on what I saw, and I mean, I could be wrong here because I was really, really high on Killian at, at this time last year. But it looks like he's going to need to play in that type of system with freedom and ball screens every play to live up to the height, Because he just doesn't have the the speed to, like, really pressure defenses. And he doesn't have the shooting to where, you know, you fear, like, him. I mean, he just I think he's just easy to defend because of the lack of speed and the lack of being a great shooter.
0: I think this is going to be a tough one, and I'm not ready, ready to write him off yet. I, I think it's ridiculous to write off a player after one year. It's ridiculous to write a player off after after a summer injury league performance, a, yeah. a, an injury year, and especially after, you know, again, limited sample size um, and what have you. But I think people that are concerned about Killian Hayes have a right to be concerned uh, about whether this was a miss. Um, you know, for them, but let's, let's give it another year. Let's see how it plays. And and as you point out, maybe it's just going to be that Killian Hayes is a better fit, you know, somewhere else. And we're going to figure that out uh, down the road as well. Well, how about we come back, Raphael, let's talk Western conference. And we'll talk about rookies and and the older guys that played well there. Uh, In the meantime, make sure you go over and check out uh, Raphael's website, NBADraftJunkies.com. You can also go over to my website, NBABigBoard.com. I just graded every uh, rookie prospect uh, in the Summer League, both Eastern and Western Conference. You can see who got A's. There's even an F uh, in there, which I don't give out very often, but there was one historically bad, uh, rookie summer league performance, uh, that I, that I saw and make sure you tune in and subscribe, uh, whether that's on YouTube, um, or iTunes or Spotify to the Chad Ford NBA big board podcast, as well as Raphael's podcast over at locked on NBA draft, uh, where Raphael hosts several times a week, uh, so much great draft stuff coming Raphael it's, it's totally enjoyed talking, uh, summer league with you and, and we'll talk West next. Anytime, anytime. Thanks for having me on. All right. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha.